0: Welcome to the CLB Forge Podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is the show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying
1: disciples.
2: Hey, welcome to the show today. Welcome to episode 62. It's great to be with you. I'm Ryan Nilsen.
1: And I'm Mike Natal.
2: Today we're rebroadcasting a webinar that we did uh, almost two months ago about children's ministry planning for the fall. And it's for releasing this it's still summertime although you may have all your plans squared away there's some great information in here that's really good for any time of year and if you are feeling kind of behind the eight ball trying to get ready for the the coming school year this would be a great listen a great watch so we wanted to share this with you and get this to as many people as possible
1: yeah i love the um resources that all of them share while they're going through it and then not only did they share the resources but they also were um very pointed towards you know be on the lookout for this or make sure if you're going to use this curriculum you got to be careful with that and and i just i really appreciated uh everyone's perspective as they shared and each one of them are using some of them are using similar curriculums, some of them are using different curriculums and so after i um Listen to the webinar I went on because we're looking for stuff to do for the oh, year. And yeah, uh, I went through and did a little bit more research on oh. those specific uh, curriculum that they're using. But I would reiterate what Sabrina said: where if there's someone listening to this and they agree with Sabrina and say, you know what, somebody from the Church of the Lutheran Brethren should write a curriculum for, um, for youth Sunday school and for youth education, maybe you're feeling led to do that. And I would love to encourage a person who's listening to maybe put the rubber yeah. to the road and start writing a curriculum.
2: Wow. Okay. Yeah, It's a great call yeah. to action, Mike. Yeah. Yep. Before we start, I want to mention my t-shirt. Did you notice the t-shirt I'm wearing, Mike?
1: Uh, All I see is some chopsticks and noodles, yeah. which so f- makes
2: me hungry. So for our listeners, I am wearing a... What, what's Why don't say? you
1: stand up? Let's see it. Oh, Mar-
2: yeah, baby.
1: Instant Look at that. Lunch. cup of soup. Let's Mar- go. march on. Is that how you say that? Yeah. March on. Yep.
2: Okay. Instant lunch. And mm. so here's the story behind this.
1: So for those of you who don't know what instant lunch is, that's the cup of noodle soup, like the ramen. Just add water stuff.
2: It's almost food, right?
1: Uh, well, uh, Yeah. I mean, it's it's one step up because at least it comes in a cup as opposed to the other one that just comes in, like, that square container. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, like, $0.10 cents at the food store.
2: Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. So tell me about that shirt. Uh, this shirt was given to me a couple of weeks ago. I was okay. at the uh, the CLB's well, Pacific Region Convention, mm-hmm. and it was given to me by a couple of our, our former guests from episode 42, Bo Sabuma and Michael Titterness. Now, do you remember the promise slash threat that was made in that episode
1: promise. Was it to gorge you? If you came out to the the Pacific Northwest to just feed you full of as much food as possible. No,
2: no, that would be oh. great. No, it yeah. was about, I think you said something like you could dump a bucket of water in Ryan, he would not get mad or he would laugh at you.
1: Oh and yeah. Then, I guess maybe I said that
2: something like that. And then Bo said, <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Nice. So I saw him at this convention a couple weeks ago. I got tipped off, and I knew that this was going to happen. Okay, nice. at any moment, and so nice. I was just kind of mentally bracing for it the entire time. After, at the end of the day, I was walking by the entryway, and I noticed another another uh, person was standing, holding a smartphone, filming me. And I thought that's a little weird, and then out of the corner of my eye, I see Bo with a like a, a recycling trash can, you know, like like a like a three or four yeah. gallon trash can. Yeah, go whoosh, like. Like, it's you know, he's going to douse me. And I have really slow reaction. So after he did this, then I did this whole duck that looked yeah. completely ridiculous. So yeah. somewhere out there, there is this really bad video of me being faked out. So it turns out they didn't get me with water because they I was dressed too nice, which rarely happens that I'm dressed nicely, you know.
1: And in return, they gave you a a shirt with ramen noodle on it?
2: And the ramen noodle is – uh, Bo said the, the uh, reference is – just add water.
1: Just, oh, yeah. Sorry, it right. took That's way good. too long Just to get to that. Just add water. I like it. So apparently, nice. Bo's
2: a giver of t-shirts. I didn't know that. I think uh, Station mentioned this, and yeah, this is part of his thing, I guess. So now that, I think they're still after me. Probably. So I'm not you, out of the it, woods, but.
1: And in fact, you know what this reminds me of? There's a show called How I Met Your Mother. I don't know if you've ever seen that or not. But uh, during the show, they talk about this slaps giving thing. Oh, and yeah. sometimes yep. the anticipation of being slapped, is pe- it does yep. far more damage than <laughs> uh, the actual slap itself. And so I'm wondering if the anticipation <laughs> yeah, of them yep. dousing you with water is going to be psychologically worse yeah. <laughs> than them actually dumping
2: like, water on. You. There's something to that. Yeah.
1: Yes, I agree.
2: Yeah, so we should we should probably get to the webinar and make 100%. sure our intro is shorter than the actual webinar. But I did want to say yeah. one more thing. Just if you are, uh, for listeners and viewers, um, just a little insider scoop here. Right as we were starting to record that this webinar, so I was hosting it, facilitating it, right as we were beginning, I spilled a cup of coffee this big all over my desk, my keyboard, myself. So as we start the webinar... I am sitting in a puddle of coffee and it's spreading all over my desk and all over the floor. Nice. And, uh, you know, so if it, it just adds to the ambiance and professionalism of the webinar that you're, Good you're about job. to watch. Love it. Love right. The behind the scenes. There you go. Enjoy the webinar. Welcome everybody to our webinar tonight about Fall Ministry Planning for Children's Ministry. It's so great to have you here. My name is Ryan Nelson and I work with North American Mission and I'm really happy to introduce tonight's discussion leaders, uh, Sabrina Rodriguez, Mandy Iverson and Jenny Lee Bigouet. Uh thank you so much for for leading us. I'm I'm going to open us up in prayer and turn things over to Sabrina. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can be together for this conversation. We know that a lot of people are excited about the fall. We also know there's some really, really challenging issues that lay ahead, major decisions that have to be made. So we just pray that you be with us tonight, that we can learn from each other and receive guidance and wisdom that we can apply in our own ministry settings. And may you be glorified in all we do as we serve you. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Sabrina, I'll turn things over to you.
0: Thank you, Ryan. So hi, everyone. My name's Sabrina. I run the children's ministry at Hillside Church in good old Sussex, New Jersey, and we are so excited for this meeting today. So, why have such a meeting? Why plan for fall with other children's minister uh, ministers and volunteers if they're not within our building? Um, Mandy, generally, um, and I really just thought, why not give you tactical? tips and reasonings and why children's ministry is so important and how we can communicate and connect with each other and be excited for the fall, especially after the year we had this past year. um, I think it's common that ministry kind of got really difficult. A lot of us don't really have a lot of volunteers, questions about curriculum. So we want to be here today to encourage one another and just to gear up for the fall that is coming ahead. So today, um, like I said, we're going to talk about the importance of children's ministry. Sometimes we just need to hear why do we do this? Why is it important? Why should I care about what the kids are doing on Sunday or during the week? Um, we're going to touch on the point of curriculum. We remember when we had our meeting back when COVID first started. Curriculum was a really big point to hit on. We discussed, should we have our own curriculum? What curriculum should we use? So we're going to talk about that today. And most importantly, we're going to talk about how can we prepare for the fall? What can we do to be excited and prepare for our children in our community? So the importance of children's ministry. So why do we do it? Well, easy peasy answer. Children matter to God and children need to learn about God that pretty much sums it up. It's important. It may not seem like the little things matter, like the crayons matter or giving them a lollipop matters or the activities that you give them matter, but it makes a huge impact on these little lives and these little hearts. And it makes an even bigger impact on their family as well. It's our future. So I say this a lot to my volunteers for my midweek program. What we do keeps our church from dying. Years from now, we won't be here, but these children will be here. So what do we do today now to prepare them for wanting to come back, wanting them to come back to serve, to help our church grow, to want to be at BBS, to want to um, worship and be loud and do all the things that make them excited about being at church? So we are all to have an investment in the way that faith is passed on to the next generation's. Um, The importance of children's ministry also is how can we prep ourselves? So what does that look like for you? Do you do a Bible study? Should you be a diligent note taker during Sunday services? I know that's what I have to do to make sure I'm getting the word. Because if not, I'll just be watching and seeing, oh, there's a new family. Or is that kid having a good time? Or did I check that family in? So that's something that I have to do. Does it look like podcasts that maybe you listen to or audio books? I know um, The Daily Bread has a podcast, and that's been very helpful for me as well to just listen to that in the morning. Sometimes we forget about this important part of children's ministry. And when we fill ourselves up, we remember the importance of our relationship with God and why we do the things we do. When we remember and see how big our God is, we come back into our church excited and ready and willing to do all the crazy things that we may need to do for the lives of these children. An important part also to remember is developmentally is something we don't think about when we think about our children. My background is I also have a master's in social work. So this was a lot of the training that I received and where our children develop mentally. And by the time a child is 12 or th- 13, their moral basis is set. So if you look at that, when it comes to our programmings within the church children's ministry, by the time they go to youth group, that's it. So something we um, discussed prior to our meeting is we kept saying, you're laying your rules. Each church is so different. What Mandy does in North Dakota may not work for us here in New Jersey. So we encourage you to, as we hear um, what we all have to say and discuss these topics, that what works for one church may not work for your church, and that's okay. We all have the big picture of wanting to serve our God and grow our churches, but it may look a little bit different, and there's nothing wrong with that as well. So you're laying your rules when it comes to your children's ministry.
3: I'm Mandy Iverson and I'm the Children's Ministry Director in Minot, North Dakota at Our Redeemer's Church. I think it's been like maybe even four meetings ago where we all kind of, where we all talked about curriculum and and it was kind of this burning desire, like why doesn't the LB have their own thing? And And really after looking at how that would look, and how that could play out financially, there's probably just no way for it to be a practical option. Now, Jenny Lee and Sabrina and I talked through the different programs that we've been using. And, and there are some good curriculum out there. And the important thing to just remember that is whatever curriculum you use, even if it's prepared by another LB church, it may not suit your church uh, environment, specifically, it may not be perfect for you. And so it's always good that when you're looking at your curriculum, when you're looking to pick one for your church, keep your your church body in mind, but also to read each lesson, go in one with a discerning eye and really read the lessons, know what you're teaching the kids, because there are so many different nuances. There's there's ways that things can be said. Just a simple, simple change of words sometimes can make a, a big impact in a theology of, of a curriculum. Our church, we've decided to use gospel project. The really good thing for us when we were looking at why do we use gospel project and are we sure that's what we want to keep doing, because we were we did have a wana on Wednesday nights. And when we were looking to move away from a we really looked deep into what do we want from a curriculum. And what we said was it needs to be gospel centered. It needs to be biblically sound, and for us, the Gospel Project is really great. But we just need to know that it's written by a Baptist um, writer. So that would be another suggestion that I make: is look who, look into who writes the curriculum that you choose. Just what is their faith background? What is their statement of faith? And that will tell you a lot about what's coming up. So Gospel Project, um, it is chronological plan, and they do a three-year study, and it continually cycles through from Old Testament to New Testament. So it covers the entire Bible. And it is, it has the narrative that it's all one story pointing to Jesus. It's all how Jesus fits into the, the bigger picture of the, the, the Bible, that it's not just a, a bunch of separate stories, that it's all one big story. And so we've opted as a church this year will be our first year to use it across the board. So we will be using it both on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday night. And they do have several different options and activities available. They have at-home materials. There's generally, as far as activities, there's usually, I would say five to 10 that we don't do in a week because they're giving you options to fit within your church. There's there's options that are low prep that you can go into with little to no supplies. There's options that are big prep. So you might need somebody to help you do maybe a week or two in advance that you, you really need to plan. But for us, we really like that it, it just dives deep into each story. What I'm most excited about this fall is they have what's called an at-home. And because COVID has made most publishers realize that they need to make the resources available for people who can't physically come into the church, the at-home materials will be available for those families who are staying home maybe because they're ill. But I'm excited because it's a way for us to reach our sports families. So we have families that will come once or twice a month because they're traveling on a a team. So it's a way to keep your families plugged in throughout the whole year, even when they can't physically be with you.
4: Thanks, Mandy. Um, And I'm generally Bigawit. I'm the Jones Ministries Coordinator at Oak Hill Church in Bloomington, Minnesota. Um, And we um, recently, past few years, have been doing um, a thing called Dig In by group. And this one um, is online and it. It's downloadable. You can kind of customize it however you want, but they've now with these online dig in features, or curriculums, they have five of them. Now we've done two of them. We did one for our Sunday school, the Bible in one year. So kind of similar to the gospel project you're working from Genesis to revelation um, with various stories. And then also the heart of God was talking about attributes of God and also pulling in different stories from the Bible and kind of talking about um, how does this fit with, or how does it describe who God is? And how then does that, if God is like this, then how um, how should we be, or how can we be like God or like Jesus in that sense too? Um, we really like these just because they were customizable as well. Same with Gospel Project; they give you more than probably you could ever use, unless you are having a three-hour Sunday school. Um, is kind of what it comes to be, but they it's kind of a drop and drag and so you can build week by week you can build a curriculum what we did is um children's ministries team and i worked to build kind of the whole year for each grade level and it's broken down from preschool up through sixth grade so kind of a preschool the kindergarten first and second third fourth fifth sixth and so it digs deeper each level it goes but we built it with every component in the curriculum and then teachers, we printed them and put them in binders and teachers were able to either view it online or they could use their curriculum. Um, so just kind of some options, but then that left it in their hands and they could kind of pick and choose what they like to do week by week. The other cool thing about digging, they, with their pricing, they do it based on the number of kids you have in your church. And so you're not paying like a set fee and i know other curriculums do this too but you're not paying a set fee they have a fee for like zero to 99 kids is going to be this much the other one that's on there is just faith weaver it's also by group so you see a lot of similarities with that one but that one also kind of like group or kind of like um, gospel project works its way through the bible as well digs in probably looks a little bit different yeah all of them like mandy says you want to just be able to focus or Figure out are they are they Bible based? Um, you know, are they pointing you back to um, to the Bible, to the truths, um, to God, and that sort of thing? And you won't find a perfect curriculum like that, but you can take and adjust what you can with those things or with the ones you find. Review lessons, prep items, um, and then discussing with volunteers, um, like Mandy kind of covered each week. We encourage or one thing that you could do is just with whatever curriculum you choose is read through the lesson for that week or maybe you work better by month by month. Look into the lessons, email out to your volunteers and say, hey, these things are looking great. Focus maybe on these activities or I always use as an example, but we sometimes would have activities that involved a lot of food or prep that way. And we're like, you might want to steer away from the food activity this week. Um, sometimes we had to supplement something. And so sending out like a, hey, check out this activity or check out this Um, worksheet that might go best with this lesson this week. And then the prepping items aspect, again, you have to do what works for you um, at your church. But one thing that I found helpful is um, having as much as I can prep for teachers. It just helped them come in on a Sunday or a Wednesday feeling ready to go. Um, And it can be as simple as, hey, I'm going to have any worksheets that you need copied. Let me know and I'll have them there and ready for you to go. Um, Or even just in your weekly email, sending out, hey, this lesson looks like you need this, this and this for your activities. We have these items at church. And then that kind of helps them in their planning, knowing I can just pick those things up at church when I get there versus now I need to find these or now I need to go out and buy them, which as much as that. I mean, we want to limit that as much as possible too.
3: It's okay to be just a step or two behind so that you have time to really gauge what you're giving the kid. As far as discussing with volunteers and, and leading up to it, we've actually this year, I'm super excited about it. We have a lady in our church who is going to review. She's got a strong theology background. She really knows her stuff and she's going to come in and eight weeks ahead of time, she's going to look at all of the lessons for us and she's just going to read it. And that's what she can do from home. She can't, she, she likes to go to Arizona and she likes to do things. So she can't physically be at the church all the time. So she's going to read um, our lessons for us. So that's another volunteer position that we could, we could open up and she's going to help us in a tremendous way. And that way her and I can meet ahead of time. She can say, here's what you need to watch out for. And now when you're prepping with, so when I prep with my volunteers then for the week, I can send, like Jen Lee said, I can send out an email saying here, these are the roadblocks that you might hit when you're discussing this topic or watch out this week, we're going to discuss baptism. And this is where the curriculum goes. And this is where we would like you to steer the kids. So there's ways to point your volunteers. That's why it's important that you don't necessarily just um, hand over a lesson without reading it yourself. Preparation on your part is is super important as much as it is if the volunteers can see you taking the time to to dig into the, the scriptures They will do the same.
2: So your volunteer is looking at eight weeks in a row of curriculum or eight eight weeks ahead of time. Yes. And then is kind of going through and giving you, giving your prepping some coaching notes for your teachers.
3: Yes. Okay. So the way Gospel Project works, and yeah. I don't know if if everyone is like this, but God, most most of the big companies out there give at least a unit ahead of time. So we'll just give her the unit, say. She's going to look at it, and she's going to read each lesson in that
0: unit and come back to me.
2: That's a great idea. love that. Mm-hmm.
0: So this is the big chunk for tonight now. So gearing up for the fall. What does that look like? What do we prep for? What should we be thinking about? So we would love to hear from some of you. What is the big picture for your ministry this year? I know some of you run different ministries within your church. For your ministry specifically, what is your big goal, the big picture that you have? Well, I, for one, am doing what Sabrina tells me, so. (laughs) I'm Nancy's boss, everyone.
2: (laughs) Good answer, Nancy. That's... uh.
0: I know my place, Ryan. You're
2: a team player. That's
0: it. Nancy, what would um, you like to see be the big picture for our children's ministry?
3: Um, I have been very pleased, and it's not just because Sabrina's right here with the way Hillside has been run, and we have also been using the Gospel Project. I do like the idea, as Mandy had said before, is that every week they point you to Jesus every week.
0: So yeah, big picture ends up being really important. Do you want to focus more on family outreach? Do you want to focus on what your classroom looks like? Do you want to focus on really equipping your volunteers this upcoming year? Maybe that's what your big picture wants to be, or you want it to be. The reason why is because when you go to make decisions for the rest of the the year. Besides turning to God's word and leadership within the church, you can look back at your big picture and say, well, my goal this year is I really want to equip my volunteers. Am I doing the right thing? Am I equipping them? Or my goal this year is to really reach families and talk to them more. Am I doing that in this moment?
2: Brina, we got a couple comments here in the chat.
0: Go for it, Ryan.
2: Brandon wrote, uh, one of the goals is to be able to engage with the family. How do you think we can incorporate our curriculum and program? To include elements where we foster a culture where parents also minister to their kids throughout the week. I think we heard a, just a tiny snippet about that earlier.
0: First, I'll go back to my point where I'll always say is you're laying your rules. Your church, your rules to an extent, right? Okay. What works for you guys? What's your um, community? Like, do you have a church where parents really do want to be involved and now they're just asking for the resources or are you at a church where actually I need to educate these parents on why they need to be involved? So that's always like the good place, in my opinion, where to start first. So your question of how can you incorporate that curriculum and begin that culture, you can start simple with, hey, this is the coloring sheet they did this week. This is why they did this coloring sheet. Ask them these two questions before bedtime or read the Bible verse together or ask them, hey, why was, why was church so great today? What did you like about it? Um, certain things like that. Um, the way I do think is back to my original point though is looking at your community and seeing what the need is because it, it definitely varies there. That was a really good question. So we talked about the big picture. So some of you may have that big picture. Some of you may not. But that would be your point of where your decisions come from for the rest of the year, especially after a year where ministry just kept changing week after week. So a big gear or pillar to look at when you're preparing for the fall is kids coming in. What age groups do you have? Ministry changes every year. Do you have more preschoolers this year? Do you have bigger fifth, like more fifth graders this year? I know for our church personally, our fifth grade class will have one student in it this year. So it's, it's stuff you do have to think about every year. What are your classrooms going to look like? What, what grades do you want to group together? Um, So that is a good place to start as well, because then it can prepare you to see what volunteers you need, what volunteer would be best equipped with that age group. Um, Or can you tap into more youth volunteers if you have a younger demographic of children coming in? When you think about kids coming in, you can start thinking about location. What rooms do you want to use? Some churches are fortunate enough to have children's ministry wings and some churches just have to use um, a multi-purpose room. So where are you going to put these children? How are you going to make it a safe, fun, accessible environment where kids want to run to every week? So that's something you can start thinking about as well. Are there some things you want to change in your room? Do you want to get a fun, colorful cart this year and make it be the, the Bible cart? Something where the kids see like, oh, this place is for me too. It's not just a building for mom and dad where I have to go every week, but this is my place too. Um, when we used to have Sunday school in person, what I did for a couple of weeks was I found a pop-up tent, which is actually back here. And I opened it up and I put it in the doorway and the kids just thought it was so cool, but it was down to their eye level where they stand and they could see like, oh, this is my place. This is for me to have fun and I can have fun in this building. When you think about the kids coming in it and you see your roster, you're able to also see, okay, what volunteer ratio do I have? Now I know I'm going to need five volunteers versus 10 volunteers that may make your life a little bit easier training wise and recruiting wise, or maybe it's a year where, you know, okay, this year I have to step up and I have to be in the classroom this year on top of coordinating everything as well. Um, It also goes back to your lane, your rules. What works for your church um, works for your church. It may not work for mine and it may not work for someone else's, but it's these things to think about. What's your big picture? What kids are coming in and what can you do with that information? So next is volunteers.
4: With volunteers, a couple different things. Obviously the question for everybody, how do we get more volunteers coming? If I had that answer, I would be rich right now, but um, we'll kind of, we'll share a few things um, that we kind of talked about, but another aspect of volunteers that I'm going to cover on is just how do we prepare and set our volunteers up for success? And I think they kind of work. Together, you know, if people are feeling you're there, you've got their back, you're there to support them. I think that helps get word out to volunteers and, and get them back in the door too. But a couple of things with just the vol or the question, um, what was it, was it, Teresa? Yeah, that you had um, increasing pool of volunteers. Um, part of it is just again getting people invested. It might start with. Getting like seeing who those kids are that are coming and then really digging or really reaching out to those parents to start with and saying, hey, we want to offer this ministry for your children, but. We can't do it without your help. And just supporting them in that. Some of them are going to be more comfortable than others. That's one aspect. Uh, One thing that we talked about, too, is just personal invites are sometimes huge. You can put announcements out there. You can, you know, a broad or general thing for everybody. But sometimes when you personally go to people and say, hey, we we would love for you to volunteer. We think you would be awesome in this classroom. Every church is different with how many volunteers you have, but perhaps it can be something where you say, you can, why don't we find someone and you can share it. So you do one week, somebody do it another week. And sometimes that even lessening the load of the commitment of how many weeks they can do it. Sometimes that helps to get volunteers back. COVID is going to be one of those where it's going to, I think for most of us, it's going to be slow getting them back, but it's it's finding unique ways to just invite them. We, this past year in amongst COVID, we ended up going to like a family style Sunday school for a little while, just because of our volunteer differences. So families would come in with their kids and we would all meet in a large, in the fellowship hall um, and each family had their own table. And so the volunteer pool wasn't great i was the one teaching the lessons from the front but what it basically did was i introduced it i talked about the story um, and a lot of the discussion happened at the tables with families Um, it was great for a lot of different reasons i mean it had the parents kind of discipling their kids right there but under some direction Um, and so depending on where you're at if those volunteers just are not are, are not there that is just another option of a format um, that you could do, and so that might be to start things off, kind of where where you go with the volunteers. You do have some things that we just talked about is um, just providing a training for them, setting them again, setting them up for success. So before fall starts, you have a training, and many of you probably already do this, but you bring them in and you walk through the curriculum with them, and you kind of show them the highlights and things to look for each week. Because that right there helps them so it's not like you're just handing them something but together you can kind of collaborate and work together Um, during the training it's also a good time for you to set up expectations for your volunteers for your teachers different things we do is even things like like we ask that you're at church 10-15 minutes earlier so that you can be in the classroom before kids get there talk about safety aspects of the classroom discipline what to do if you need a sub different things that kind of are maybe questions that everybody has when they volunteer but in one group in one setting before things even get started you're kind of covering all those things so it allows for those volunteers to kind of leave that training with yeah okay i get this i i can do this in this case like Jenny's there for me i can go to her with any questions i might have that sort of thing um, And so I think that's one thing for us is just providing some sort of training, a big thing. And Sabrina talked a little bit about this with ratios for kids and things, um, how many adults to have with ratios. But another piece is background checks. And many of you, if not all of you maybe already do background checks, but if not, that's one thing too, to just encourage you to look into. Um, Mandy mentioned that you can even check with your church's insurance. And sometimes they will pay or provide some money for you to do background checks and trainings like that for your volunteers. We're getting to, or we're in an age right now where background checks are just important for like the safety of you, the safety for your church, your volunteers, things like that. We use, and I think both Sabrina and Mandy do too at their churches, we use the thing called Checker, or you guys are moving into that. And Checker is, it's a background check, but you pay per background check that's run. I think it's $8.00 a background check, and each month you get an invoice for paying for that. There is things like Protect My Ministry is out there. Um, Some of you maybe use that too. Other things, Mandy does uh, Ministry Safe. Um, It's like a training video, Ministry Safe, to kind of talk about different safety aspects of volunteering. The other things with volunteers, going back to just the curriculum aspect or setting up for success is just providing those weekly emails, kind of like a, Hey, here's this week's lesson. Just looking through it. Here's some highlights or things to look for. I will have such and such set out, or I'll have this prepped for you at church. Let me know if there's anything else you need. It just weekly, it's like a touch point with your volunteers. They know then that you're actively involved. And again, I think all of those things help keep volunteers coming back. Um, When you're invested and you're showing them that you, you're taking the time, to figure out lessons week by week it's not like you're just handing it over and saying we'll see at the end of the year or you know you can find me in my office Um, but it's like okay they're they're truly invested another thing we do here at Oak Hill is I do a survey two times a year just kind of checking in with hey how are you as a volunteer doing Um, what are things that I can be doing better to support you how is the curriculum for you are there struggles are there areas that Um, you would love some help with, some guidance. That kind of puts you out there as someone. I mean, it kind of makes you vulnerable in a way because if things aren't going well, you'll hear about it, but it helps to improve or helps for you to know like where your volunteers are at with things. And then one last thing, and I know, sorry, volunteers is a big thing. So, um, but one other thing with just volunteers is just finding ways to show appreciation for them. Again, another way to keep them coming back is to just show them, hey, we appreciate you. And this can be as as simple as writing a little handwritten note and sticking it in their mailbox or sending it to their house and just saying, hey, we so appreciate how you take the time each week to prepare, you know, to share the love of Jesus with these kiddos or something like that. Figure out birthdays for each of your volunteers and like a favorite candy bar. And then on their birthday, you know, give them their candy bar like just simple things but things that take a little bit of time but can go a long ways we even do twice a year we do like a volunteer appreciation breakfast so right before sunday school they can come in and get a muffin and some coffee or something but it's specific for just our volunteers
0: just a thought about when it comes to volunteers as well the path of least resistance so if you tell a volunteer hey can you volunteer They'll be like, I, I don't know, maybe, but if you tell someone, hey, I, I know this is out of your comfort zone, I really need you to read this story and do this coloring sheet and then give them a sticker and that's mm-hmm. it. They'll be more prone to do that because they everything's already set for them and they're prepared. They'll be less nervous about what may be happening in that classroom.
3: Brandon had a question and I know it was addressed a bit, but about the family connection. And that was kind of our, our last point. We can disciple these kids all day long. And they, they, we can, um, parents drop them off with us. And most of the time, parents are gladly handing them over to us and saying, here, you teach them. I don't think a lot of parents are unwilling to do anything at home. And they don't, it's not that they don't want to disciple their own children. Um, I think most of the time it feels like they're, unequipped. Maybe they feel frozen, maybe in kind of in fear because they're like, I don't even know where to start. So I'm, I'm just not going to do it. You do it for me. So um, it's really important that we build relationships with families so that we gain their trust and we gain their confidence in us so that we can come in with, with a partnering posture with them so that we can say, Hey, we are here to partner with you. We're here to come alongside you and to help you and the discipling of your children. Events are fun and, and sending things home, but just be sure that when we're doing that, we aren't also encumbering the parents, making things harder for them. Some of the important things that that are, the things that seem like silly or just fun can help us actually build just a relationship with them so they do trust us. The, the families begin to know us as people, and they can trust us. They'll come to us for for advice or guidance. And so it's good for us also to constantly be in the word and to be uh, able to be reading it from a family perspective so that we have, we can give guidance. We've done kind of a myriad of different family events. Sabrina and I have kind of talked about a few different ones this summer. Something that's really working for us is we're doing family fun nights in the park and it is so low key that there's nothing to prepare really, aside from bringing some popsicles to a park. Um, And it has been really hot here, so we rented a shelter, but we just show up and we let families hang out together and be in each other's company and and talk for an hour and a half, and it's been fantastic. We have rented a skating rink, and so just let families go skating together and then just have the fellowship time kind of in the warming area. This Easter, we did an escape room and it was an Easter escape. And we didn't let the parents leave, so a lot of our events parents have just dropped off, and we've started asking them to stay and giving them a reason to stay. And so we served the parents uh, breakfast while the kids were doing the escape room, and so the the parents got a chance to just chat with other parents, and and be connected. I mean, there's just there's tons of ideas out there. Um, writing a postcard, just, we have written down here, just the same snail mail, just, just get out there and write a, a three line note to a family and they're going to feel known. And that's what everybody wants to know.
2: Thank you so much, Sabrina and Jenny and Mandy, you did a great job preparing some really thoughtful content. Uh, this was super. So thank you so much for your uh, leadership in this and thank you everybody for for participating.
1: Hey, welcome back! Wasn't that a great episode? That webinar was really yeah. informative, and we really thank once again uh, those individuals who yeah. took the lead on it. And yeah, so, thank, thank you. you so
2: much. Thank you, Mandy, uh, to them. Sabrina, uh, and generally, you did a great job.
1: Gold stars I, all around! I think
2: we're going to have them back. I think we're going to have them that back. would
1: be Why? wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. I really am appreciative for all of their insight and their input and really look forward to the next time where we can have them on and kind of pick their brains a little bit further They're They are a well of knowledge. So we're really looking forward to that. So thanks to our listeners. Um, for tuning in to the show today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you can be notified when our next podcast drops. We'd love it if you shared the podcast with a friend or a colleague, and we really appreciate you tuning in and listening. So thank you so much, and we will see you next time.
0: This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.